You're listening to the St. John's Dumming Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Hello to you all at St. John's Diamond Creek. It's Chris and Julie Dean again here. Friends, we're very thankful to God for you, for your partnering with us in the gospel, both prayerfully and in your finances, as we prepare to serve the Lord Jesus in Timor-Leste. We feel very blessed uh, to be mission partners with St. John's Diamond Creek. We're now hoping to be able to leave for Timor-Leste in early 2021, uh, perhaps even in February, Lord willing. Okay. Our Bible reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, in, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Well, it's springtime and I reckon your garden like ours is just going crazy at the moment. That combination of rain and sun and all of a sudden all the plants just go boom. Now, fortunately, because of lockdown, Uh, In the last school holidays, Anna and I took annual leave for two weeks to spend it with the kids, but we couldn't go anywhere. And so it was either, should we play a board game or shall we do some gardening? And so our garden's looking pretty good. We're able to clear the veggie patch of all of the weeds, turn the soil over, add the chook poo, and we were ready to go. Uh, Grabbing grabbing the seeds, here's uh, here's some uh, zucchini seeds. Uh, Put them in the ground with great expectation that we might get a harvest over the summertime. Actually, I don't really know whether we planted zucchini. Anna's really the gardener, and some of you gardeners out out there might be telling me that's the wrong time of year. Maybe that's not what we planted, but it's a prop, a packet of seeds. And it's kind of the image that this passage gives us in terms of generosity. Uh, Here's what verse 6 of our Bible passage says. 
Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In the same way with this packet of uh, zucchini seeds, uh, if I was to just say, okay, I'm just going to pick one seed, let's just sow one seed, then at best I'm going to get one zucchini plant as a result. But if I decide to sort of, you know, let's just go for the whole, the whole packet and let's throw them in the ground, let's plant them and hope for the best, well, the harvest is likely going to be better than just planting one seed. And it's the same with generosity. Uh, the more that we're willing to sow, to give away, uh, the greater the harvest is likely to be. And if you want to think in terms of those zucchini seeds, uh, think about this wonderful backdrop that we've got behind us, uh, where these things like uh, money and time and gifts that we might give, the, the generous things that we might offer up to others are like the seeds that we plant. And the more that we're willing to give, the more likely there's going to be a greater harvest. So as we unpack this passage together today, uh, I want us to think about two things that this passage talks about. It talks about the attitude of giving, and it also speaks about the results of giving, which is like the harvest that we've just been speaking about. So grab your Bibles or your phone app. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 6 to 15, the last uh, in this three-part series from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 on generous giving. So let's start by thinking about the attitude of giving. I think verse 7 is really a key verse here. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So firstly, notice that the, the attitude we should have to generosity is that it's thought out and deliberate. You've got to have decided in your heart what you're going to give. Now, that, that takes time to do that, to decide something, to think it over, to pray it over. And if it's in your heart, then it's very embedded. It's, it's a thought out and deliberate action that you're taking. Um, often when we were for live services and, the, and the, the plate was handed around, the classic situation, you know, for lots of people, if you, particularly if you've got visitors at Christmas time, is a plate's passed around and people just sort of fish around, what coins have I got? <coughs> Chuck them into the plate. But it's not that sort of action that's being spoken about here. It's much more thought out and much more deliberate, thinking about what you have deciding what you should give to God and being deliberate about doing it. So how do you go about doing that? Uh, well, if you're a single person, uh, you can do that by yourself. Set aside some time, think about, okay, what am I earning at the moment roughly? What should I be giving away with generosity to God's work and to help people in need? Uh, and decide how you'll do it and how you'll give. Uh, if you're married or in a relationship, then you might need to set aside some time to have that conversation with your partner together. How much together do we have? How generous do we want to be? How much do we want to give away? And how are we going about going about doing it? Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, but you're uh, married or in a relationship with someone who's not a follower of Jesus, it's, it's harder because you may not share the same commitment to giving to God's work 
Uh, and so I think, again, you need to think about it deliberately and then you might need to engage in that sort of conversation about why this matters to you to be supporting God's work and talking it through, difficult conversation though that might be. Uh, and then you've got to think about how in practice am I going to do that? Now, I use the example of the, the passing around of the plate and saying that just uh, spontaneous chucking what's left over is not a good way to go. Uh, and back in the day, you know, many, many people use these sorts of giving envelopes and, and many of our congregation uh, still do that. Uh, each of them sort of has a, has a date on them and each week as a deliberate part of following Jesus of worship, putting aside the money that you've decided in your heart to give in the envelope, bringing along to church and plonking it in the plate. Uh, and that's been a great way that many of our congregation have actually built a habit of deliberate giving. Uh, and thank you to those who still continue to give uh, in that way. Uh, but of course, there's other means available now. Um, a lot of us use electronic banking and apps, um, and we can do that too for our giving. Uh, giving directly into the church bank account, uh, using an app like Tithely, which we use here at church, which is just like shopping on the internet, which all of us have had to learn how to do if we didn't do it before over this past lockdown period. And so again, you can be deliberate about it, deciding in your heart what you want to give and set it up that way in terms of electronic transfers or week by week setting that money aside and paying it uh, to give to God's work and mission. It's a really good way to do it. It's a good way to be deliberate. The weakness in it is perhaps that it can be a bit set and forget. You can set it up at the start of the year that a set amount comes out weekly or fortnightly or monthly, and then you can forget about it. Uh, so it doesn't have that deliberate sense of weekly uh, pattern of giving in the same sort of way. Uh, and it can mean that you can get a bit out of whack. You can just set it up and forget about it. And so from time to time, we do need to check in and say, have we drifted a bit in our generosity here? How much did we set up to give? What are we earning now? Do we want to give more than we've been able to give? Uh, and it's a good time to sort of go back and be deliberate and decide again in your heart what it is that you want to give. Uh, this time of year, as we come to the AGM, is a great time to do that reset, to check in. Where are you at at the moment? And what is it that you want to give? So it's, it's a deliberate thing, decided in your heart. But more than that, it's supposed to be done cheerfully. The end of verse 7 says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, it's contrasted that it's not reluctantly or under compulsion. Now, if something's reluctant, that's an internal thing, that I, in and of myself, don't want to do it. I'm reluctant. And compulsion is about external forces on you that you're only doing it because someone tells you to do it or because they're making you feel guilty. Uh, and that works against an attitude of cheerfulness. So it's not to be reluctant. It's not to be under compulsion. It's to be done cheerfully. So be cheerful. Well, that doesn't work, does it? Um, it's one of those things that if someone says, be happy or don't worry, uh, you can't make those emotions suddenly come. So when you're told to be a cheerful giver, how do you actually develop cheerfulness and be happy to be generous and to give things away? 
Well, I think verse 8 of our passage has the key, the key to cultivating this sort of attitude. Here's what it says. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. See, cheerfulness will only come through a relationship with God, a relationship where you you trust God, that God will provide your needs, that he's a good God and he's able to provide for you and he will provide for you. And also that you're contented with what you have. So that phrase in verse 8 which says, having all you need, uh, is one word in the original language and elsewhere that, uh, that word is translated as contentment. See, if you feel like I've got everything that I need, then you'll be contented. You'll be happy with what you've got and so you'll be willing to give away uh, anything else that comes in. It's the same word that's used in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. This is another key passage, I think, on generosity. Uh, it says there, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we had food and clothing, we will be content with that. The trouble is that contentment is a rare characteristic in our culture. Um, A big part of that is because one of the main ploys of advertisers is to make us feel discontented. Uh, Contented people don't want to buy more and more stuff for themselves because they're happy with what they've got. Um, So if you've got a car and you go, yeah, you know, I'm pretty happy with my car, it's pretty good. It's about five years old, but it still runs really well and it gets me where I need to go. It's, It's a good car and I'm happy. But then the advertisers show you this new car and you think, wow, that looks better than my car. And, oh, gee, look at the stereo, and it's got all these flash buttons that my my car doesn't have. Wow, the sound in that car would be better than what I've got. Oh, and wow, it's got seat warmers. My car doesn't have seat warmers. Uh, And all of a sudden, you sort of realise that your bottom is cold. You'd never noticed that before. And, gee, wouldn't life be better if you had a car with seat warmers? And so you start to be discontented with the car that you have, which is perfectly adequate, and seek after the new thing. And that's the ploy of advertising in all areas. When we want to seek after something else that's better than what we've got, we become discontented with the status quo of what we've got. And so we seek after things thinking that will make me happy, though it never does. So we need to cultivate this attitude of contentment by saying, actually, I do have enough and more than enough. One of my great heroes uh, in my Christian faith is John Stott, the English minister and author. Um, In many ways, I consider him a mentor, though I never met him in person. I only heard him speak live once, but I've read so many of his books. And he was an incredibly generous man. He sold millions upon millions of books worldwide And he never took a single cent of the proceeds of those books, but gave them away to support Christians in majority world countries, the training of pastors, the equipping of pastors, the work that I do in Papua New Guinea, training preachers, 
uh, is work started by John Stott and funded through proceeds of his books. Uh, and the way he built generosity into his life, it was driven by uh, an attitude of contentment. So this sort of superstar of Christian faith lived his entire life in a two-bedroom apartment. And he was famous for refusing second helpings. So people knew this, um, that he never ever had second helpings because one helping of dinner was enough. He was conscious that people around the world were starving and one helping of dinner was all that he ever had and he made it a discipline. Of course, when people had him over for dinner, they knew this, so they'd pile so much on his first course, um, his first helping, uh, knowing that he wouldn't go back to seconds. But it was part, I mean, it seems like a silly thing, but it's all about developing habits of contentment and saying, what I've got is enough. I've got what I need. I've got food and clothing. And godliness with contentment is great gain. And so because he was contented with what he had, because he wasn't seeking after more and more, he was happy to just give all of this money away. And the more books that he sold, the more money came in, the more generous that he could be. It should warn us from having the sort of attitude that says, when I've got X amount of money, well, then I will be generous. Because the trouble is that you tend to keep adding to your lifestyle and keep thinking, well, down the track, I'll get to the point when I can be generous because when I've got that much, then I'll be happy. But actually, you've got to develop contentment at wherever you're at in your life stage and what you've got available to you. Developing contentment in your life is a great thing to start when you're really young. Uh, so for the younger members of our congregation where you may not have much money at all, to sort of start being content with that and start to be generous already uh, in the ways that you're able to and, and don't wait down the track because it actually gets harder and harder. And not to be constantly thinking, I've got to increase my lifestyle and I've got to add this and I've got to add that, but to be developing that attitude that I've, I've actually got enough now and I don't need to keep adding to it and I want to grow habits of contentment and generosity. So that's the attitude of giving. The challenge for us is to be deliberate about it and uh, to be cheerful in the way that we give by building contentment into our lives. So what about the results of giving? Again, you know, the key image here is the image of seeds uh, being sown and the harvest that will come. That speaks about the results that come through our generosity. And the harvest that comes, the blessing that comes from generosity is widespread as described in this passage. We think of uh, when we're generous, the person who benefits is the person or the organisation that we give to. But this passage shows us that the results of generosity impact the giver, uh, leads to praise and worship of God. There's an impact in terms of people's relationship with God. And it also builds the relationship between the giver and the receiver, not just being of benefit to the person who receives. Uh, so verse 8. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. When you give generously, God blesses you. 
Now that makes, might make some of you nervous hearing that because there is this pattern of teaching in some churches uh, which speak uh, about a thing like it's called prosperity teaching where the more you give, then God will bless you. And sometimes that's portrayed as God will bless you with good health and wealth and comfort and ease, uh, which goes against what the passage is actually saying. Uh, have a look here at the way that the blessing that God brings to us through our generosity is described. So verse 8 there, which we just looked at, speaks of abounding in every good work. Uh, verses 9 and 10 both speak about righteousness and a harvest of righteousness. So it seems to me more that the blessing that comes to us is the shaping of our character that God develops in us a godly character as we're generous, that we're able to do more and more good works for God, that we're able to develop righteousness, which, which speaks about right relationships, relating rightly to God, relating rightly to other people, relating rightly to the creation as well. So when we practice generosity, when we're willing to give what we have to bless others, when we refuse to just hoard and acquire more for ourselves but see the needs where they exist and give to them, when we prioritise God's mission in the world and we, we give to support that rather than our own desires, then God builds into our lives godly habits and godly character. As we're more generous, it deepens our dependence on God, remembering that as we do that, uh, everything that we have anyway comes from God and it's a way of trusting him that he will continue to provide. In fact, in this passage, it says that uh, God will keep on providing for us so that we can be more generous. So generosity breeds generosity. You've probably cleaned your teeth with uh, Colgate toothpaste or use Colgate soap at some point. But you may not know the incredible story that lies behind the founding of that company. Uh, William Colgate, who founded the brand, left home when he was 16 years old to head to New York City to uh, find work and to establish a business. He'd previously worked in a soap manufacturing plant, so he knew a bit about it. And as he was travelling to New York, he was on a canal boat and he got into a conversation with the captain of the canal boat, who was a Christian man. And the captain of the boat gave this 16-year-old William Colgate this advice. He said, well, someone's going to be the leading manufacturer of soap in New York, and it could be you. But never lose sight of the fact that everything that you have comes from God and honour him by sharing what you earn, begin by giving away from what you receive. Uh, and so from the outset, Colgate, who was committed to giving to God, committed 10%, the sort of classic tithe that Christians sometimes speak about, speak, uh, setting aside 10% of what he earned, which is the pattern in the Old Testament of the Bible, the first part of the Bible, to give to God. But the business kept expanding. So he didn't stop from giving 10%. He started giving 20% away, and yet the company kept on growing. So from 20%, he went to 30 to 40 to 50% of what was coming in, he was giving away. 
Uh, it was a wonderful illustration of what verse 11 of our passage says. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. As we become more generous, as we build in generous habits to our lives, God shapes our heart to be more generous still. There's this sense that generosity breeds generosity. So there's a harvest that comes in our own lives when we learn to be generous, that God shapes godly character, righteous character within us. But there's also a harvest that comes in terms of people's relationship with God. I was just quoting from verse 11 there, but I didn't finish how it ends. It says, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12 speaks about uh, overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Verse 13 says, others will praise God. Uh, as followers of Jesus, that's what ultimately drives us, isn't it? That we want people to recognise God for who he is, and we want people to turn to him, to seek a relationship with him, to thank him and to praise him. So when we're generous to other people, and it's clear that our generosity is being driven by our love for God and our commitment to following him, well, other people will be interested in this same God because they'll see something displayed in our character which makes God attractive, and they want to know more about him. I think this is a really powerful way that we can be a witness to the goodness of God in Jesus Christ uh, by the way that we act generously to others and it's clear that it's driven by our Christian faith. Well, what does that look like in practice? We've got to be careful. We don't want to be too sort of clunky or uh, overly pious about it. But it's just clear that we have to be open and honest about what drives our actions, that it's a being a follower of Jesus that makes us do the things that we want to do. Uh, building into just natural conversation that relationship with God matters to us so that when people see our generous actions as we become more generous, they're able to interpret those actions and not just say, well, that person is a good person in and of themselves, but they see God's work in us shining through and they praise God rather than just praising us. So when someone thanks us for our generosity, um, we can receive that thanks. We don't have to sort of dismiss it. That's fine. But it could also be an opportunity to throw in a line like, uh, no problem. Uh, I just feel like God's blessed me with so much in my life and has been so good to me that I just love uh, to be generous and to give to other people as well. So generosity brings a harvest not only in terms of our character but in terms of people's relationship with God. And then thirdly, generosity develops relationships between people, relationship between the giver and the receiver. Have a look at verse 14. And in their prayers for you, their heart will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. In some ways, this is a pretty obvious outcome from generosity. If we um, do things with, with love and are generous to people, um, then love is going to come back as a response a lot of the time. It's going to build a natural relationship of affection and a sense of partnership together as we share with each other. 
This is one of the reasons that when we speak about uh, our mission giving, we speak of mission partners and mission partnership. Um, so 15% of what comes into our offertory and our thanksgiving appeal, which is coming up, we give to our mission partners. But it's not just about handing money over, it's a genuine sense of wanting to be partners with them, sharing in the work that they're doing, praying for them as they pray for us, and building that relationship of affection and a sense that we're in this together as we serve God wherever we are and whatever the particular focus of what we're doing is. I was really encouraged uh, last Monday where one of our mission partners sent me a text and said how encouraged they were as they joined in uh, with our service last week. They were really encouraged by the ministry we're doing here uh, and they were challenged in terms of their own generosity by listening to Kirk's talk from last week. And they were encouraging us and it was a great boost to us and it was helpful in terms of that idea of partnership that we learn from them and they learn from us. We encourage them and they encourage us. We pray for them and they pray for us. Uh, that's what generosity is about as we give to each other and we build a strengthened relationship. And it's the same in our own lives, isn't it? As we express generosity to other people in different ways, so as we're generous with our time, giving people time, which is a precious commodity, um, being willing to share materially what we have with others, uh, being generous in, in the gifts that we give, being thoughtful and deliberate about that and helpful in what people need. It strengthens relationships. It strengthens a sense of partnership. Again, we saw this over last term as a wonderful bunch of volunteers um, from this church said, I will cook a meal, one meal a week, for families who are doing it tough, struggling, trying to juggle homeschooling with work and being in lockdown. Uh, we knew that our families were doing it tough and people said, well, we'll cook meals to support them. Uh, and our family was a recipient of that generosity where we got a meal each, each Monday. Uh, and it was wonderful. The generosity that was displayed to us strengthened that relationship with that person, strengthened relationships in our church. There was a harvest that came through that generosity, strengthened relationships, love, and a sense of partnership. So there's a great harvest that comes as we're generous. It grows us. It grows uh, the witness to God and people thanking and praising him. And it grows relationships, that sense of partnership. So as I finish up today, I want to leave you with uh, that image again of the, of the packets of seeds, the, the guiding image really for this particular passage on generosity. All of us have a packet of seeds. Um, for some of us, it might be bigger than others. Some of us have more at our disposal than others, but all of us have something. And again, the seeds represent our money, our time, the things that we have uh, as gifts that can be given to other people. And the, the challenge for us is, how generous am I going to choose to be? Am I going to sort of be a one seed sort of generous person, which will bring a harvest, that will be good, and that may be all that's available to some of us. But if we plant that, then the harvest will be comparable to what we've planted. But if we're more generous, committing more seeds, uh, one, two, 
uh, a handful and casting them out in, in generosity, seeking a harvest, well then more will come, more results will flow. It will do more in our lives, the more generous we are. It will result in a greater witness uh, to God and a greater harvest potentially for people turning to God. And it will work to strengthen relationships of, of love and partnership as we do that. So as we've been speaking over these last three weeks, where are the areas of challenge for you in terms of your generosity? Are there particular seeds that you need to think about planting? Do you need to sort of go back and revise and think about, am I being deliberate in the generosity that I'm displaying? Am I cheerful or am I feeling a bit reluctant or under compulsion? Do I need to bring my attitude to God and ask him to work on my heart as I give? Is there something particular that God's been prodding you or poking you about? It's there mulling away in your head. Well, don't leave it there, but what action do you need to take in terms of growing in generosity, being a generous person and seeing the harvest that God wants to flow come through your generosity? Let me pray. Dear God, thank you that you are a God of grace and generosity, that you've given everything to us in the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can have a relationship with you, that we're filled with your Holy Spirit and we're blessed by you. Please make us generous as you are generous. Give us hearts that are cheerful. Help us to be deliberate in our choices. And we pray that as we give in generosity, that a great harvest would come. And we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.